Hi, just Lynette here. We interrupt our schedule and normal journey through the chakras to take you today on a sidestep through how to deal with the big energies and emotions that can sometimes come up as we move through these perceptual centers and all the awarenesses that come with it. Do also do us a favor if you're enjoying the podcast. Could you go to the rate and review section of iTunes or wherever you're downloading us and give us a five-star rating or something that gives us a bit of an air punch? It really helps other people to find us and we'd be so grateful. This podcast contains adult content. So if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual and energetic worlds. So please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy to lose stuff. That's what I feel. Let me get a vibe. A little woo-woo. I'm not ashamed of it, and that's who I am. Unfortunate today, the spirits are true. Now let's play. Yes, of course, this series. Welcome to the woo-woo verse. It is a deep dive into energy, self, and soul awakening. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Kira Lee. I'm Lynette. And we're both intuitives, we're energy dealers. And we are, want to start today's episode by asking, how are you? How are you doing? And not in that weird way that like Australians always just as they're saying hello, say how you doing and they're not actually looking for an Busy. answer. You know, it's always like, good, you, good, right. Glad we got that out of the way. Okay. Mm. Genuinely, how are you? So take a moment to like really check in with yourself. Really genuinely ask yourself how you are and specifically what emotions you're feeling today. There's no right answers. There's no wrong answers. I mean, there can be uncomfortable answers. It's just your answers. Lynette, what emotions are you feeling today? Mm. Like right now, right, right in this moment. Love, joy, a little bit of overwhelm. Did I remember my children's lunchbox, which I may not have packed something correctly, actually. Yeah, okay. It's all coming back now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm like... I'm joy because we've just been laughing. Our producer Dan has brought a selfie stick into the studio and that's hours of entertainment. So I've got, I've got like joy and happiness, but a bit of fatigue as well. Is fatigue an emotion? Sensation. Yeah. So what's the difference between a sensation and an emotion? Because yeah, we all experience both, A sensation both, right? is probably what you're experiencing through your physical neurology. I am cold, mm. you know, I am tired. Yeah, we have mistaken that for an emotion, right. haven't we? And it, they feel a bit heightened when you're tired as well, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Or like hangry. But they kind of talk about like emotions in terms of things like love, anger, fear, sadness, grief, loneliness. Disgust. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're getting into emotions today because this is like, I don't know, I was raised in a family where we didn't really do emotions. It was more like build a bridge, keep moving, emotions are a sign of weakness or they're uncomfortable, so let's just not get into them. <laughs> Which is so interesting because in psychological terms, emotions are considered the way you solve problems and yeah. resolve things Oh, no, we never evolved. We, oh, we didn't resolve any, we didn't resolve <laughs> oh, shit. On. We just pushed it aside <laughs> and never discussed it and that's mm. how we moved on. So I really only kind of 
got in touch with myself as an emotional being at about 35. This is like, and I've got the vigor of the newly converted. I teach emotions now. And especially through my yoga, I help people process their emotions. And I grew it's, up in a family wildly gripped by various emotions. Like with seven mm, of us. Yeah, okay. And everybody always had an emotion online, maybe not the same one. And we all weren't trying to resolve for anyone else. So we had lots of emotions and lots of conversations, but how the heck do you resolve seven people's emotions daily and put it into balance when everybody's kind of in their stuff? Ongoing really group therapy, right? There. <laughs> well, that's what probably why I went on to do what I do. Often when we listen to other people, we don't necessarily listen to hear, we listen to respond, right? Like you mm. say something and then I say something and we call it a conversation. Mm. When it comes to dealing with our emotions though, it's a different kind of listening that we're looking to develop, isn't it? Because we really want to listen and hear and know that our emotions are our friends and they've got messages mm. for us and, and there's things they'd like to tell us. Yeah, we need to listen to the internal aspect of ourselves again. And we as empaths, also feel and listen to our emotions as signals around others and experiences to give ourselves messages as well. So it's not just messages about what's going on inside. It can be also messages about our feelings and sensations and reactions to what's going on outside. So it's and but it's a message system. Yeah. And other people's, that was one thing that I didn't expect when I came into my intuitive capabilities of just how much everybody else's emotions I would pick up. And it originally started, I'd be teaching yoga and I'd be halfway through teaching a yoga class and I'd be like, I need to cry. Mm. And for the first while I thought it was me. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, that's not me. Hold on. Oh, that's her three, three rows down. She needs to cry. I just happen to be receiving that right now. It's so interesting. When I started reading, I started noticing that people that were empathic and sensitive to their intuition were different, differently configured to somebody who would tell me what they were thinking about something all the time first. So when I read somebody that's empathic, they would go their physical body, their body, a little layer of energy around their physical body that was their chi or eminence from their body. Then their emotional layer would be yeah. there and then their mental layer and then their spiritual layer. But in a person that thinks a lot, it's the other way around. Yeah, so you've right. got the physical layer, then the mental access layer, and then the emotional layer, and then the spiritual layer. So we actually can be differently sensing an environment based on the way we're wired. Mm. Not everyone's getting it the same. So you've obviously walked in and immediately your feedback is body emotion. Yeah. Someone else's body mind. Yeah. It's such an endlessly fascinating topic, this one. And, and the good news, what we're here today to tell you is that you absolutely can transform your relationship with your emotions and how you hear them and how you transfer them into action. Sure. And um, there's so much possibility around this topic. But to go back to the, like the starting point, most people's relationship with their emotions does come from the family they were raised in mm. and what you were told you were allowed to feel, you weren't allowed to feel. It's a training, yeah. isn't it? I and mean, society's we... messages on, on larger, like women are women allowed to be angry, are black people allowed to be angry, who is allowed to show anger, who is not? Um, and then we internalise all of that, right? Yeah, and now there's anger rooms where, you know, I have been and encouraged people it's to like go to. like my house at for... 3 o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <what? laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that. To, to sort of go backwards, I guess, 
emotions are energy in motion. Yes. And we grow up in certain environments where we learn that energies in motions in a certain way are acceptable or unacceptable and there is this kind of immersion around how you might, you know, stop yourself from crying if something – you know, you hear it all the time, stop crying. And rather than like, I can see you're crying, is there something I can do to help you? And yeah, like even I've when had to change my whole language as I've become a parent. Yes, I never even thought of that, that until like a friend was like, yeah, saying the same thing that with her kids, like she doesn't want to say, stop crying, no, stop crying, stop crying, you kicked your toe. Because mm. that is shutting down an emotion, mm. isn't it? Rather than I feel you, let it out, let's go, it's going to be okay, <laughs> is a different way of embracing the emotion rather than... Yeah. Yeah. Same intention almost, but different results. Permission, right? right? Permission. And yes. we want to give ourselves permission and other people permission. And yet you're right, there are certain um, parameters in society that have taught us about things like anger. And I don't know if we've got great guidelines yet mm. about what's acceptable and unacceptable and how we fully resolve things like rage and irritation and frustration yep. without making it about somebody else first. Yeah. And that's where awareness comes in because when you're aware, you don't just go into overwhelm and overreact. You don't react, you respond. And you might respond by saying, I can feel there's a lot of anger and I've got a lot of anger or you're in anger. I might leave and I'm going to process this. Would you mind if we spoke about this in a couple of days? And there's all of these emotions as the negative expression and the positive expression as well. Sure. Because you can turn the anger inwards and attack yourself. Mm. You can. I used to do this before I got in touch with my emotions. Somebody would do something really hurtful to me. And I was doing a lot of yoga, so I'd be like, I do a lot of yoga. I don't get angry. So that didn't that hurt me. That high-pitched voice will Just always tell everyone. didn't hurt me at all. It's fine. <laughs> but, of course, then I find myself tw- two hours later screaming at some poor woman on the bus who's taking her time to get change mm. and it's annoying me. I or have to wait. Or a cigarette in a way. Oh, yeah, or like <laughs> smashing back some alcohol yeah. but being like, no, no, I'm not angry. Mm. So you can – and now I have a very – can be a really distressing emotion. Yeah, if you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and I think that when it's in its best form, it's power and passion. Mm. It usually comes from an energy of disempowerment Mm. and and it's even been described as what you do to yourself for for someone else's mistake. Mm. And that can be really... Can I read the Maya Angelou quote? We both love this one, but I would love to read it. You should be angry. Oh, God, I love her. You should be (laughs) angry, but you must not be bitter. Bitterness Mm. is like cancer. It eats upon the host. Mm. It doesn't do anything to the object of its displeasure. Mm. So use the anger. You write it, you paint it, you dance it, you march it, you vote it. You do everything about it. You talk it. Never stop talking it. Yeah. Passion. That's that's positive anger. Turning it into passion, Mm. change, action. And sometimes that action is I'm so angry, I'm so hurt by what's happened, I can't continue. Mm. I need space. I mean, that's still an action, right? I protect myself as well. Like I I see that I have been hurt here and I use my anger as a way to in future protect myself and Mm. care for myself and not allow this to happen again. I really hope as a community and as... A, you know, a generation, we're able to talk so much more about this, particularly with men and how that anger and that rage really gets passed on 
down yeah. through generations, but equally so with women. And how you're women allowed feeling to disempowered, be disempowered, you know, not feeling as though they're feeling heard. That has an effect yeah. on the next generation. I do so much work with women and I've come to understand that every woman I've encountered reading or working within these kind of spaces just has this untapped reservoir of, of anger in her that she doesn't know what to do with and she might not even know that it's there she's walled it off so much and getting in touch with that anger is life changing and life affirming when I was first in my transformation period during my 20s with my beautiful counselor Joan um we went through some major trauma and at the end of it she said how do you feel about what that person did to you and I said I think I've already forgiven them and she's like, whoa, what just happened there? I think we've missed a whole step. And I was in so much terror and fear from what had happened to me. And I had a programming of, right, right, let's just make this better. Yeah. That I went fast forward. I've already forgiven you while that experience was happening. So I missed all the process between feeling traumatized and feeling abused and disempowered to that point and so she went back yep. and she said no 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 we're gonna try to get back in touch with that experience and what I realized was a I wasn't in my body so when you're not in your body you can't feel how angry you are yep. I'd left ages ago so I yep. had to get back in my body which we talked about resetting and regrounding um already in a previous podcast and once I was back in my body she went right what are we going to do with this anger and one of my fantastic friends who was on the journey with me said we're going to go and get a massive crate of pumpkins and we are going into the forest get the pumpkins and we are going to smash, smash the pumpkins. pumpkins and I was like okay and I remember she picked me up it's a Saturday morning and we go into this forest find this desolate place you know some baseball bats and some pumpkins and some goggles to for safety and we start smashing pumpkins and I'm not really into it to start with, right? And the next minute she is like 100% primal. She is going wild. She is in there and she said she turns to me and she just looks at me and she went, she goes, bitch, you need to start eating <laughs> those pumpkins. Don't whack them. Slam them. And I just froze and she went you froze that's what happened mm. and you know she helped me go just go until you can feel the power through your legs and your body and we just went and went and went and we were screaming as you know it's got to come from the base of your body yeah and it was primal it was like I entered a wild self and people talk about this in rewilding is remembering that now something amazing happened in that moment I realized she was right I did freeze when I was little and I couldn't push back and I couldn't say no I was stuck mm. but in that moment in slamming that pumpkin into that ground and it's smashing into a thousand pieces I remembered I can say no I can stand up I can push back and I looked at her and she said something just came back yeah. look at your eyes and in that moment these men came mountain biking down the hill and saw these two women in bikini tops and bike pants with sweat and dust and pumpkin all over them screaming yes to the wild winds and she and I stared at them and they turned their bikes and they left. They were so scared. I bet you they still tell that story at parties <laughs> as well. And in that moment this massive python 
came out of a car that was overturned and sort of decaying in the forest. And he was like, oh, she was four meters long yeah, wow. and slithered and unfurled. And that was the energy mm. that was being reclaimed. And I can absolutely guarantee if you are feeling it and you have a friend, don't go alone, take yourself into the forest and smash some pumpkins. I also tell my clients to like punch pillows, take a I boxing class. I have a screaming class. exercise. I did Scream it. into a pillow. You Get scre- yourself a screaming pillow. It can be cheap. We're going to put this it. in the universal treasure chest for today's class. Screaming yeah. into a pillow is a beautiful thing. I did a yoga class on the yoga of anger with some women uh, once and we played, what's the Rihanna song? Breaking Dishes. It's like three and a half minutes of her getting really angry and we were in plank position for the entire time. Wow, and the deal was going like, to do it. That would yeah. make me, I do one sit up and I'm angry. And every minute on the minute we screamed. So you are say, yeah, and so honestly, like all of this work, and we've said this once, and we've said it again. Other people stumbling onto it, it's going to look a bit weird, but it feels really good when you're screaming oh. in the yoga class or smashing after, the pumpkin. After in the my pumpkin smashing day, I felt safe walking down a street again. I yeah, felt wow. like and you did that you for you. Me you did that for when you. When I don't want you to, it's not going to be mm. okay. And I didn't have that before. So that's people t- used to work up in my grill. And so, how else do we like? How do we get in touch with our anger, and and how do we question it, and find out what exactly it is that we're feeling angry about? Like, and to know what what's wrong and why. It's all. It comes back to so many similar practices of being able to take some time out for yourself. Yeah, we talk so much about our problems, but we don't talk about our feelings. Mm. He said, she said, honey, this and I. It made me feel yeah. it's not the it usual made, topic, is and it? And so, you know, in any kind of processing work, what did it make you feel? What mm. does it remind you of? And sometimes where is it in your body? That's been Can f- you name it as a colour, uh, sometimes a shape, yep. you know, an age? And then what does that aspect need? Yeah, the body was a really powerful one for me. I didn't realise that when I got angry, I pulled my shoulders up to my ears Mm. and I was working with a Grinsberg therapist, lovely Mm. Michelle, who every time I was having a conflict with someone at the time and I talked to her about it a lot and she'd be like, did you figure out in your body where it was? And I was like, no, I wasn't even in my body. What are you talking about? And it took me so long to go, oh, it's in my shoulders. And now all I have to do is pull my shoulders down Mm. and I instantly feel less angry and more able to deal with the anger I'm feeling. It doesn't spiral up. I can kind of bring it down and make friends with it. I've spoken to many men in my time during my work and we've had to talk about the fact that once they have children and they don't feel like they have as much freedom anymore to go for that run or to get it out physically, how that environment really brings up that sense of restriction Mm. and restriction often reminds us that we do have deeply hidden anger. And so it's usually when kids are, you know, like one, two, three, four, not doing what we want them to do. They're a 24-7 job and they can't be told to sit down and be quiet when you want them to and you can't get out and let your anger out in a positive way and then it just starts spurting out on everyone. That's how I think so many family conflicts start is Mm. that the anger and passion are not resolved properly. When anger builds up in the body, it needs to be released. I think that's something that's really important is that it needs to be physicalized. And that might be something that you do need to find a safe space or a safe person to do it with. But what one of the things we always have to be careful of is one of the easiest ways to 
try and move anger is to numb it. So that's the basis then of a lot of reaching behavior for addiction and things like that. And that's not just drugs and alcohol, that's shopping. That can be sex. That can be checking out. Now, it can be spiritual bypassing as well. It can be like, oh no, I just, yeah, like I said before, I should take it to yoga and then it's fine. Like that can be some of the most toxic energy and take that to a spiritual workshop and that is flying oh, around God, it explodes yes um, but sex and anger have a very interesting relationship and many people don't talk about this but often if they've had a lot of repressed anger or a child of childhood of repression their sexual acting out will have started very early because mm. they can't scream at that parent they can't get their power back and that feeling of sexual release is an expression of power and it's probably the basis of many, many sex addictions and the reasons why people don't feel calm enough to sort of let that flow and find out what was really going on underneath it. Mm. So working our way through the emotions, anger, and I mean, I could sit here and just talk anger forever. I'm so (laughs) fascinated by it and finally in touch with mine and it's such a relief. Um, What about happiness? What about joy? Like what do we, what does that do Mm. to our energy I think joy is probably the real emotion of feeling fulfilled Mm. and it's not, necessarily about anything external it's an internal yeah isn't it? it's yep. a sense of fullness and connection and flow and I think the biggest joys I've ever felt have been the simple joys because it's nothing so big it's not that I won a million dollars it's mm. that I just woke up and I feel good today because everything inside me is is coming together joy Joy needs to be cultivated. You need to seek it. And I think Mm. that's the funny thing that we don't learn is, is Joy just going to drop in my lap on a Saturday morning? Maybe not. But what if you went for a walk at the local Mm. market or you got your favourite chai down at the local store? I think that when we learn to seek this energy, it meets us. It's kind of, I used to have this rule with myself that I was, if I was feeling joyless, I had to go and do three things that might open my heart to joy, whether it was to go and listen to music live that I really liked, even if I wasn't in a good mood, get to a yoga class, go and sit near nature or a body of water. And it's amazing after 20 minutes of doing something, you go, I'm so glad I came out today. And I still feel like that as a mum. There'll be times I'm going crazy in my house and there's not a lot of joy coming back. And I think we've got to get out. We've got to get out. We've got to change the vibes. We need to reach out. Something needs to come in and we need to activate that. I think part of my personal embracing of joy has been the difficult bit of it, but the most fulfilling bit of it is the fleeting nature, accepting the fleeting nature of it. Mm. It's like I'd get really yeah, grabby and really needy. True. And every time I felt really joyful, I'd be like, this has to stay forever. What if I lose it? Oh my. And then you've just killed it. You've just killed it right there. Like it's <laughs> over. Strangled yeah. it. Yeah. And so being able to be mm. in the moment, and, and this is part of the practice, my yoga practice as well. I was going to well, say, that's so it's yoga, It's so freaking right? yogic, is, is knowing even in the most, that change is the only constant. That's one of the cosmic jokes, right? That change mm. is the only constant. Here I am. It's okay that this is fleeting. I enjoy it while it's here and I accept that it will leave and that that doesn't diminish it in any way. And then it actually, again, Cosmic Jokes goes on longer than it would have if I had have desperately tried to I, I think that's a wonderful thing to relate to yoga because you can have poses that you feel really great and mm. joyful and easy and smooth in as you've talked about before. Next pose, Trikonasana. Uh, I'm really oh. having trouble with my holding poses. Yeah. So – 
you can get that feeling of, yes, yes, this is awesome. Oh, my gosh, I'm the best yoga person in the whole world too. Oh. And then literally two seconds later <laughs> be like, I hate everyone. And that's where that is where yoga is not about the postures. It's no, so it's about the sensations experience. and the mental things that you go through while yep. you're doing yoga. But yep. joy needs to be cultivated, yep. opened to shared. And it's, yes, and what's your Communal. joy may not be my joy. We, you have to find out what your personal blisses are. Yeah, and find the people who can help support you in that. Maybe not all day, every day, but seeking community around yeah. shared joy is a powerful experience. Does it spark joy? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, fear. What about mm. fear? Because that's a nasty one that nobody particularly likes. It's kind of the experience of worrying about things An or as a trust. response to something that might happen and that you're not going to be okay. And it's always like fear's a funny one, isn't it? Not every it's kind fear. kind of an illusion. But, well, but so it many feels fears so psychologically real. In your head, in your head what you're imagining the worst case scenario is mm. when it actually plays out it's so much less in the real world. It's like that story they tell. And again, going back to yoga, if there's a woman and she finds a snake in the backyard and she's like, oh no, there's a snake. This is terrible. And then somebody comes along <laughs> with it. I would definitely think yeah. that was terrible. Well, somebody comes along with a torch and shines a light on it and it's just a piece of rope. And that's mm -hmm. what fear is, right? Like it, it's so much worse in our heads, the way we build it up, what we think could happen than generally what does happen in it's reality. A lot based around expectations. Yeah, and yeah. Also, False think, expectations mm, appearing real. I learned right. that from you. Yeah. And I also think it's about that sense of not having trust that you can cope with so many things. Yeah. You know, there's that wonderful quote about saying, my God, you've climbed mountains and travelled into the depths of the darkness already. Like mm. you can do this. You've you got strong. this. And we forget how much we've lived through already. So fear is really the forgetting for me of how much resource and how much divinity is at your disposal. And and so that's like the negative version of fear. But when we transmute it, the positive version, it does become courage, doesn't it? And it becomes trust mm. and an understanding of our own strength. And the dismantling of fear and terror from trauma, mm. trauma is the memory of something that's happened before yep. lodged in your system, almost like a post-traumatic stress response. Yep. Yep. And then you are replaying that today. And so there is that to consider. If yeah. you've had trauma, it yeah. is important to go back because your body will, you know, forever see that experience or a similar thing and go into a fear response because you don't know you can conquer it. A bit like what I was talking about when I smashed the pumpkins. Yeah. I don't know when um, my counsellor came towards me once after, um, before we did the pumpkins, she came towards me and she said, I'm just going to push towards you and I'd like you to push back at me. My arms did not have any electrical current to push her. And she was like, wow, you can't push back at me. Mm. And my body, as I said, must have gone into a freeze response and not remembered how to do that. Once you reclaim it, you don't have as much of that fear. So you have to go back and resolve those pathways. And again, it's the good news is that you can completely transform your relationship with these emotions and how you mm. channel these emotions. Unfortunately, you can't skip the hard work that you have to go through in order to do that, but it pays off. I think off. once you start delving into the emotional cabinet, besides every time you meet somebody who's doing this as well, all you do is talk about how you feel and how you process that and how amazing it is, and is that it is so exciting 
to not be enslaved by these oh, big so energies oh my God. anymore. Like yes. you can finally say, no, actually, I think I'm sad. I call not it angry yeah, about I, that. Yeah, it I call, sad. I call it making a container mm. and it's something that I have learned to do, which is that because my reaction from the way I was raised, as soon as the emotion would come up, I would push it down and it always mm. blurt out somewhere else. But in the moment, mm. that's what I do. And now I do this thing where I actually bring my arms out in front of me and I touch my fingers together and, and make like a circle in front of me. And now when the emotion comes up and, and I lost, have lost both grandmothers in the last 18 months and there's been a lot of grief in my life. So this is where I tend mm. to do it. And grief as you know, comes up at the bank when you don't don't have time for grief to come out. It comes out like, oh my God, I cried getting in front of the coffee guy the other day because I don't push it away anymore. So instead what I do is I say I'm making a container. So you know what, here it is, here it comes, here it is, I let it come. When I pushed it down, I would push it down forever and it would keep popping up. Now I make a container for it and it lasts about five minutes and then it ends and I move on. And that's like, and sure, the coffee guy Mm. has to deal with the crying Mm. lady in front of him, but it's Mm. fine. Mm. It's fine. Quick emotional scan. Running emotion recognition protocol. Hate, love, fear, anger, envy. Emotions really zap you. That's emotional shopping, Carrie. These aren't VIP emotions. You raise an interesting point, Carolee, because I always wonder if a feeling person, like an energy, emotional, connected person can be with people who are putting containers around their emotions and it is difficult. Like, So if you're in one of those relationships, you have to start with you first. You can't go and rip somebody else's container open and think it's going to solve you. We just need to make sure we put that out there. But sorrow and grief, you've touched on that and it's – Massive. I also have lost somebody in the last four months, very close to my family, incredibly tragic circumstances, deep grief um, and pain moving through my family still. And um, somebody said to me, you know, grief is love with nowhere to go. And it's making a whole new what place for something that's happened that you didn't have any control over. You have to hand over everything. Complete. Yes. Uh, control. Grief of the more situation. than any other emotion, I think, really smashes everything else to the floor and and pushes you have to through. Move with it. You, yeah, you I'm cannot sure contain it. You, you cannot can, hold it. You know, go out and smash a pumpkin. I mean, yeah. there's stages of grief for sure, but just the sorrow, you have to sit and just sit in the bottom of the shower and have a cry yeah. um, and hold somebody's hand or it, it's it's an amazing experience to watch the days roll on and some minutes you'll be completely fine and like you described the next minute something will completely have you come undone. I don't know if you've noticed but you can't keep crying for more than like a couple of days yeah. I, I, I always thought if I started I'd never stop it's, yeah, and that was I just the too, fear that was not so I had this grief experience recently where and again from the outside looking in some of the stuff that we do in our daily lives is a bit odd and I'm okay with it my grandmother one of my grandmothers had left me some money when she died and because she, she was on a pension and she'd like squirrel the money away so it was in cash bless her heart you can tell she's a daughter of the um depression because that's how she saved her money but anyway so she gave me this money and then I needed to put it in the bank and when I went to put it in the bank and I was handing it over I prayed over it um but I kind of forgot to do it I handed it to the woman to put it in for me and then I was like oh can I just have that money back for a second and she was like yeah she gave it back to me and I just prayed over it and just thanked my grandmother and was having this moment with it and then I opened my eyes and she looked at me and she was like what 
was that about? And I was like, oh, my, my grandmother died and she gave me this money and I just wanted to acknowledge it as I handed it over. And she was like, oh my God, my father just died. And we stood there and held each other's hands and told the stories of our lost loved ones and shared our grief journey in the bank at four o'clock on a Tuesday with everybody else and looking at us. But my grief touched out, reached out and touched her grief, which reached back and there it brought us together rather than apart. And it was I beautiful. I had that experience recently as no. well. And it was at Ikea. <laughs> the emotional healing you can receive at oh, Ikea. The things you don't think you'll be doing on a Tuesday afternoon. One is which you're buying clothes containers to put someone you love's clothes oh. into. And oh. somebody said to me at the counter, having a great day. What are you doing? A little bit of reorganising. Of course they didn't know. Yeah. And I just burst into tears. And you know what? They didn't say anything. They actually just reached over and grabbed my hand and didn't ask why. They just said, I am so sorry. Oh, and beautiful. I just sat there. I could not. My children were running around probably wanting that mm. free $1 hot dog, whatever it is. And I just held this person's hand, took a deep breath and said, yeah, no words. And I said that for months. Mm. There are no words to describe this situation. And there are no words to describe some emotion. I think when we get in touch with our own emotions, one of the, you know, all of this work that we do opens up superpowers within ourselves. Mm. And part of the superpower of knowing how to process and honour and transmute mm. your own emotions is not being scared of other people's emotions mm. and being the person who can just, I mean, how amazing that that person could mm. just reach over in that moment mm. and know exactly, just reach you across your grief and hold you. Mm. That's one of the superpowers that comes mm. from doing this work. And that touch mm. can exceed some kind of conversation I think you know if Especially you don't know what to do I'm holding I hear you I see you I feel you that's really what that touch said yeah and I felt this tremendous honor that they didn't dig any deeper yeah or dismiss or do that oh you'll be right yeah. oh well cheer up turn yeah. that frown upside yeah. down I think that the more you can experience a world and within yourself and with others where it does become something that you breathe through, take some breaths mm. and then move on. It's interesting how your psychology and energy and body will recalibrate around what's happening. Mm. I mean, 10 minutes later, I would have been getting my kids in the car. I would have been driving. I would have had some music on, yeah. possibly doing a toddler sing-along. And it wasn't that the grief was gone, but it had just shifted from yeah. an intensity 10 yeah. to an intensity It had its five. release, yeah. Mm. Uh, what about love? There are just so many energies within the frequency of love. And that's something to remember that all of these emotions we're talking about, they're frequencies, they're visitors, they are giving us messages they about give, things yeah, that gifts. are not healed, things that we're hurting from, things that we love or want to go closer to or things we fear or things that we are concerned that we have no control over. The message I think is where the power is. Yeah. Love is, well, aren't we lucky that we have the frequency of love? Oh my God. On this yeah. I mean, yes, some days, yes. Other days, you know, when you're like in love, but it's gone bad or they don't love you back. And then it's like the yearning love and you're like, oh, just cut my heart out. That would be so much easier. <laughs> I know. The journey to learn what love is, is a lifelong journey. I love asking people, what is love to you? Mm. Because if you'd asked me that at 20, it's so different to what I feel love is now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the 
uh, we fail a bit in English, don't we? Like in Sanskrit, they have so many different words for different kinds of love, the love yeah. of a parent, of a child, a sexual love, loving something, like going, oh, my God, I love my new dot, dot, dot. And in English we kind of fail. We just have one word and then we have to spread it almost thin sometimes mm. to get it to cover all the ground that we're asking it to cover. It's certainly a frequency on a daily basis I try to return to mm. and I try to come from. And that's given me a lot of peace in my life. So even when I'm angry at my partner, I'll think, what would love do? What do I love about him? It can be with that with my children. It could be that with a puppy dog. (laughs) Because, you know, they do put pooey paws all through your house sometimes. But returning to love is a really big quest. And I like to try and identify when I'm not in love, when I'm not coming from love. Um, and it can be sneaky because we have such an ego sense of, well, I've kind of done so much work and and sometimes I have to just wait till my mind stops and I need to sink down and really mm. ask myself, is that is it really loving or are you posturing and a sense of love? And so yeah. I encourage people to sort of scratch a little bit around. Yeah, I find a practice of gratitude helps bring me back to love, oh, especially if yes. I'm lost, especially if I'm there's What nothing. am I grateful for? What is this teaching me? Not yeah. why is this happening to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Or even just simply what, sitting there, here's all the things this. I'm grateful for right now and then mm. that drops me back into the vibration of love Yeah, and from wherever else I was. Yeah, I got a text from a friend of mine the other day that said, hey, stop scrolling and name three things you're grateful for. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that's and you're like, so well, true. Instagram, Twitter yeah. <laughs> and Facebook. What are you talking about? My phone. Doy. <laughs> <laughs> Loneliness. Oh, God. Mm. Loneliness has been a real journey for me in these last few years. I went through this period maybe oh, about three or four years ago and I just realised how desperately lonely I was. I was mm. living in Berlin and a lot of my friends had left. Mm. So my friendship group had got smaller. I was in the end of my marriage, but I hadn't quite fully accepted that that's what was mm. happening. But I was feeling very lonely in the marriage. And again, this was this practice of getting in touch with these emotions. I really ran from it and denied it and tried to hide it and drink it mm. and whatever away. And then I was like, no, I need to come to terms with this. And mm. so I went on this journey of embracing my own loneliness. Mm. And one of the things I learned, which again these cosmic jokes is everybody the whole world is lonely we are in an epidemic of loneliness and we're all here by ourselves feeling lonely but we're also feeling lonely together and it opened up my compassion for myself and my compassion for other people because you know you're not alone in being lonely that wonderful guy in sydney that went into the mall in pitt street and was offering free hugs Mm. and for 20 minutes nobody would hug him and then someone broke the ranks and then it started this kind of epidemic of hugging and then people wanted to be huggers, not just come and hug him. And so there's all these people hugging. And then the police came and she wanted to shut down the hugs too and then much, everyone was like, don't shut too down Too much the hugging hugs. here, people. But it's interesting. Do you think there's a difference between aloneness and loneliness? Because I find peace in aloneness. I, I think yeah. you can make peace with aloneness, but loneliness feels to me when you are a sense of cut off from everything. It's it's yep. the remembering that 
you're actually divinely connected. But in yeah. that moment, you forget well, so now that I've you are connected gone to things the other or have the power to reach out. Yeah, now I've gone the other way. And, and like, yes, absolutely, in that I travel by myself. So I'm a, a digital nomad. Mm. I hate that term. I can't believe it just came out of my mouth. I am a traveler. Um, and so I'm always on the road. And I spend large sections of my life by myself, especially if mm. I'm traveling in a foreign country and I don't know anyone there. And I'm really lonely. And I'm so amused by my own um, but company. But you are alone. I, yeah. But when I was in a marriage and when I was surrounded by people, that's when I was the loneliness, loneliest yeah. I've ever been. Now by myself, I'm not lonely because I recalibrated my relationship to myself and my relationship to to being alone. And, and you to can being feel lonely. uh, loneliness in a marriage, but you're not alone. Yeah, but you're and isolated. You feel, and yes, that's what I was feeling. And you can feel loneliness when you've got kids at home I've spoken to many of my mum's friend my mum friends and they'll say I feel lonely today and they've got four kids racing yeah, around so they're yeah. not alone but loneliness is that sense of like you describe isolation cut off and I think that it's about going into a quiet space and remembering all those who love you and who've loved you and you love but also looking for ways that you can reach out and make connection with the world because that's you know? what happens with loneliness often we it become it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. we feel lonely and then we shut down our desire to connect to protect ourselves but then it's what we desperately want is to connect but we're shutting it down because we don't believe we can have it and we can trap ourselves sometimes shame can isolate us oh my god shall we get into shame <laughs> in a minute yeah, I think <laughs> we should. and i also think um uh the fear of being out of control can isolate us. Yeah. So recently I had a friend who's a mum and we were talking and I said, listen, the worst mistake I ever made was in the morning feeling like I wasn't going to be able to control what was going on and get everyone ready and out of the house. So we would stay home and by two o'clock I was like in this funky loneliness and I said, no, get out, do the free things in the city in the morning, get get the kids moving, get you with a tea in your hand, with other mums who you may not even know, just one glance will help you feel supported. Mm. And by the time you come back home, you'll be like, yeah. yeah. And I said, I know it seems difficult, but getting dressed, going out, yep. having connection, even going to a yoga class, I used to feel a sense of village. And it even is, if I spoke to no one. And it's, again, what we're talking about is transforming your relationship to these emotions and the hard work you have mm. to do. And it can feel really hard when you're feeling lonely. Who wants to get, to get out of the house? Yeah. Days. Who wants to even roll the dice that you might have, find somebody to yeah. talk to? Best to stay safe and stay home yeah. and accept that this is how things are. One of the things I always ask myself is when the part of me is going, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to stay here. Is I always ask, which part is making that yeah. decision? Good question. And what if today we did something new? Try, what is it? Do what you always do, get what you always yeah, get. Do yeah. something different, get something different. Yeah. Which is how you get the energy moving on so many of these emotions can be yeah. stepping out of the patterns you've grown used to and trying to bring in some new patterning, some new behavior, some new energy, some new flow. Spoiler for Game of Thrones. Shame. 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 I always wanted to do that as a um that, as a costume for Halloween. Just I'll be naked. There'll be some nun behind me with the shame bell. It'll be an amazing night out. We've talked about shame in this podcast a little bit, but let's get into it today. I I think that Because it's a tough one. Yeah, when we feel shame, we feel like we want to curl up, we want to be invisible, basically. And shame is the feeling that there is not something wrong with what I have done. There is something wrong with who I am in my core, right? Yes, and it's that concept of taking that feeling and putting it out on the table in front of you, taking out the experience 
and not taking it on and working out what can be done to experience power in that situation. And, and the Whether healing, it's a new decision or, you know, you just deep needed for self-love. Yeah, the healing of shame is bringing back in self-love and is bringing back power mm. and, and, and bringing back in the parts of yourself that um, you haven't wanted to recognise or haven't felt comfortable making peace with, right? And making conscious choices mm. about what you do because the more conscious your choice the more you accept responsibility that the outcome is going to be as you intended rather yeah. than not as you intended. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really hard to feel shame if you really had the best intention and you did your best. Yeah. You would hold that space. Yeah. It's yeah. often when you're not thinking, not connected, not conscious, shame comes in. Yeah, or you or have a boundary with yourself and you don't keep it, which brings in guilt and regret. Or it's been given to you because it's something that traces back to childhood that yeah. is an intrinsic part of you, like sex, your sex drive, sexual yeah. desire, that you may have been raised in a community that was like sex is not okay. So then the shame comes in and mm. it all gets... It's reclaiming <sighs> those parts that mm. feel frightened of who you are mm. I think. and embracing yourself what about um an appreciation what about I'm not appreciated or be feeling disappointed gosh this is something I hear a lot when yeah. I'm reading I feel so unappreciated yeah. and I don't feel valued and I think it's one of those things that we do when we've got an expectation of somebody mm. else filling us up yeah you know it's that stuff that you've got to look at what did I do to put myself in a position where I gave somebody else the power for me, to for me, make my experience what it is? Yeah, and for did me, I unconsciously set them up? Yeah, so to that, feel that way. That's what it was for me. It was my lack of boundaries mm. and not asking people what they wanted and not mm. thinking about what I wanted, just giving them what I wanted them to have and then they wouldn't appreciate it. And I'd be like, well, you never thanked me. They never asked for it. That's why they never thanked me. Oh, and it was like this yeah. idea, I can't give the love to myself, so I'll give it to everyone else in the hope that some of it will get reflected back to me. And then I just walked around with a chip on my shoulder because I was handing my responsibility over. And Again, then when I learned to just give the love to myself. All the time. Yeah, then I didn't have to feel unappreciated anymore because I'd given it to myself. I think it's about returning to the self. Yeah. When you feel unappreciated, you've got to go back and appreciate yourself and you've also got to become the key source of your own frequency and flow yeah, rather yeah. than looking at outside to yeah. fill you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. learn to like fill your own cup first. And with guilt and regret, I know we've just talked a bit about that, but guilt's so interesting, Carolee, because it's a hard thing to turn into any positive emotion unless you make peace with yourself. And make amends. You have to yeah. make the amends with yourself that you broke a boundary or a principle that you would have rather kept or you did something that you weren't comfortable with. And once that is put back in balance and perspective and a yeah. new choice begins, the it seems like we can repair that and feel good about ourselves again. Being raised a Catholic, I suffered a lot of spiritual trauma but one template that it did gave me is the idea of confession and like that's how you can make amends for guilt is speak up and tell the truth and acknowledge what you did and confess even if and it's to yourself for, first. even if it's to yeah. yourself and only ever to yourself maybe if there's something if it's something you can't share like jealousy is a big one all these it? other emotions that we don't want to admit that we're feeling out loud but we need to admit that we're feeling internally so we can heal them mm -hmm. yeah being able to kind of confess and seek seek forgiveness and it can be a large part of this. Changing the 
template going forward is always one of the most empowering things you can do. So talk to me about that. Mm. What what are your tips? What are your guides for um, managing emotions, transmuting emotions, um, embracing and moving through big emotional events? Acknowledging. Huge. <laughs> You've just Massive. got to acknowledge I'm in a feeling right now. Yep. I like to ask, it can be is that, it a sensation or is it a feeling? It Am can, I cold? It can be that simple, right? <laughs> yeah, like hungry. it doesn't have to be super deep. It can just be like I am feeling something is a great place to start. Yeah, and slow things down mm. as soon as there's a feeling on board. Make space. Is this the right time to have a conversation? One of the best tips our I call her life supervisor ever gave us in our marriage was that don't talk about things when you've got the feelings on board. Mm. Feel the feelings, yeah. own the feelings yourself, write them down, go and scream into a pillow and then talk about it the next day. Yeah. And wow, what a different discussion 24 hours later. Game changing. Because you're not fighting for energy yeah. and power, you're fighting for solutions. Yeah, and you have something constructive to say, mm. right? Yeah. It's very yeah. different. Yeah. And so acknowledge get it clear, release it, and then, you know, being clear with yourself about what's happened to get to that place and then making new decisions from there. And if that new decision is I need space from that experience, space from that person, I need to get out more or I'm missing something in my life and I need to work out what to do with it, it creates an action, a new action. And once that cycle happens, big things start to move. The most important thing with emotions, though, is that they do get stuck in this beautiful auric channel and you can't pretend they're not there for very long. They come out. They come out in our face. They come out in our body language. I think they it's sometimes like whack-a-mole. You whack it down but it just pops up again unless you're yeah. actively working with it, right? Yeah. And so I think that by actually fulfilling the circuit where it becomes a sound, an action, an experience in the physical world, you know that your nervous system is going to feel like it's been unloaded. And then the clarity comes. Learning to manage our emotions really relates to the physical health of our body as well, doesn't it? Because if we don't learn to move these emotions through, they can result in physical ailments. I think that's one of the gifts of reading people's energies and talking them through their problems in life has been to see that, yes, if this is not processed somehow, mentally, emotionally and physically, it does transpire into physiological problems and ailments. And, and we tend to see it on the other end, don't we? Somebody comes to us and goes, oh, this is what's going on in my body, but I can't figure out what it is. And then we see the energy behind it. We're like, oh, that's the emotion. Like yeah. this happened and you haven't resolved it yet. And Louise Hay, you can heal your life, um, wrote her. a whole Love her. part to her book about what different emotions did and how they affect the body. And I often say to people, go and have a look and a read on what she has written in her book because she went through the entire body almost She's down amazing. to every nerve and sinew and said, okay, if you've got carpal tunnel, you know, this is not letting go, not letting life freely come in and out. I think that the other thing it does is we form control dramas with people. Yeah. We seek someone to play it out on. Oh, because we know the script. We know it comfort and in it. It, it just keeps coming back. And we end up taking it out on ourselves yeah. and playing it out on ourselves as well. 
Check out the Universal Treasure Chest for today's work. It's We're going to teach you how to scream into a pillow. Oh, it's good stuff. Oh, it's, it's almost, so simple, but it's so good. It's almost as much fun as punching a pumpkin in a forest. That'll go up, as, so check it out. And we're going to put some things in the show notes as well, yeah, aren't we? Ilanya Van Zant, One Day My Soul Just Opened Up, the book is one of my favourite books. My copy is written all over and in tatters, and it's a 40-day workbook, and if it's something that you were interested in today and you want to understand more, I would strongly recommend her as a point of power. Lynette, I feel gratitude. Love right and now. joy. Yes, so pleased to have had this conversation with you. Support you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Reverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you. <laughs>